pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 180. Today I'm going to chat with Steve and Aaron Gould, discuss the elimination of fair access to financial services, highlight a new Glock trigger from Timney, and talk about a bill that would make it illegal to teach your child to shoot. I'm your host, Ava Flannell, and Steve, Aaron, how are you guys doing today? Hey, Ava, we are great. Good to be with you. Fantastic. Good. That's the kind of energy I want, especially since it's so early in the morning. Let's do it at 8 a.m. That's like 7 a.m. my time. I'm still chugging coffee. Yeah. Hey, that's that's when I got all the good positive energy going. Start the morning off right. (laughs) Start the day right. I know. Actually, that's... So you're you're not a morning? No, I totally am. That's actually when I prefer. But normally, I like to work out first, and then I like to record my show. I miss my workout, but it's okay because I haven't really been working out in probably... It's been about four weeks now, so... I need to jump back on that wagon. But before we get into the show, Smith & Wesson. I don't know if you guys have a lot of experience with Smith & Wesson. Do you? We have some, definitely, yeah. I carry the shield for my everyday carry. Oh. Oh, nice. That's a good choice. If you're new to the firearms and you want to teach someone new, I would highly recommend the Smith & Wesson M&P Easy series. I actually just recorded a video with a nine-year-old, and I chose the Easy just because I figured he'd have a much easier time racking the slide on that. Obviously, we weren't shooting, shooting. We were using the Strikeman dry fire system, but I would highly recommend it for anyone who is a beginner, maybe struggles to just operate the gun, or even if you don't struggle to operate the gun, it's still just a great gun. Anytime I've shot, I've had no reliability issues. It's all around. It's perfect. And they have it in the Performance Center series, comes in 380, 9mm, lots of different options. I would definitely recommend check that out. I know right now guns are hard to find in stock, but I have been seeing them pop up. So just keep looking. If you want to find out more about that gun, just head on over to smith-wesson.com. Hey, Ava, I actually made a video with that with my wife this summer, and we compared the EZ to the Shield. And yeah, it was a lot of fun to shoot. Great gun. Yeah, that's kind of like comparing apples and oranges, because I think the Shield is great. And obviously, the EZ is a playoff of the Shield, but it is kind of night and day. I personally always thought that the shield, the original, it was really difficult to rack the slide on. I don't really recommend that for beginners. It's an excellent carry gun, especially when it was a slim profile and I have the shield as well. But what did you guys find out comparing the two? Well, in the video, I go through kind of looking from the aspect of one carrying and two, you know, my wife, maybe not having the grip strength that I do and different things and her feedback on it. And uh, we both had a little bit different opinion, as you often find with people talking about guns. You get some different opinions. It is amazing at how easy it is to rack the slide of that easy. Mm-hmm. Like you don't even have to grip the slide. You can just simply like slide your hand back on, on top of the slide, hit yeah. the sights, and that's enough energy to pull it back. You had a great trigger. It's a little bit larger package than the shield. So, I mean, there's, there's reasons to go with either one. And yeah. so we just try to set out 
here's what we're observing and let people make the decision, but definitely enjoyed shooting the EZ. Nice. Really cool. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. All right, now it's time to talk about the Gold Brothers. I always thought it was good, Good Brothers. We are Good Brothers. I mean, I can see how you got there. <laughs> we're often called Gold Brothers, too. And you could say we're good as gold, but you actually pronounce it gold. We didn't, we didn't get to choose. Yeah, so you guys, you're like, good gold. We'll just go in between and say gold. <laughs> we roll with whatever. That's what our parents told us to say. Yeah, I like it. All right. So for our listeners who aren't familiar with you guys, what is it that you do in the industry? Oh, boy. I mean, uh, Aaron and I really set out about 13, 14 years ago to become professional exhibition shooters. Oh. And so exhibitions have been around for a long time. You think of like Buffalo Bill, Annie Oakley, and then more modernly like Tom Knapp or those type people that perform live shooting feats and amaze crowds. And that's really what we set out to do. And uh, we've been doing that over the last, well, I think we're going into our 11th year performing live exhibitions. I believe it's 12 now, but I'm Jeez. not sure. 12, 11th or 12. 12 years, maybe. Who knows? Hard to keep track. And then we also got into creating just digital content, you know, as things evolve. And uh, we focus a lot on just big trick shots, trick shot additions, brother battles, that type of stuff. And so we put the fun in shooting. Yeah, definitely. Is this something that you guys do full time? Yeah, primarily. I mean, we both have things that uh, we work on on the side and dabble in, but uh, this is definitely our primary focus. And uh, it's been full time since 2013. Wow. 2014 for me, I would, it easily takes up the time of a full time job. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, so you guys travel all over and you put on these trick shot shows, correct? Yeah, we used to travel yeah. all over and then yeah. something weird happened last year. I don't remember what it was, but it totally disrupted uh, our live exhibitions. But 2021 is looking a little bit stronger in that sense. And uh, so we're positive about uh, being able to get back out there in front of live audiences, which, you know, we just miss. It's uh, We create the digital content. You can get millions of views and it's it's awesome to reach people that way. But there's nothing like interacting face to face, seeing the smiles on faces, getting to chat with people and just oh, yeah. that live experience. Yeah, definitely. That quick feedback. Well, I think Steve hit it really well. You know, like doing digital content is fun, but nothing is the same as getting out in front of a live audience where you get to entertain, see that feedback. And and I think both Steve and I enjoy the live shows probably more than anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What got you guys into shooting? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot behind that. We'll try to give you the the quick rundown version. Aaron, I'll let you speak to this, but Aaron's always had an affinity for the outdoors and the shooting sports. Yeah, I was really interested when I was young. Um, I had an uncle, actually, that kind of took me under his wing and uh, took me out squirrel hunting, shooting at uh, Grandma and Grandpa's out in the dump where we got to shoot tin cans and glass bottles and all kinds of stuff that would explode, which for a kid is really exciting. So Mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly the first time that I shot. But uh, I would say it's around seven or eight. And uh, man, once I started pulling the trigger and being out in the woods and stuff, I just had that passion. So even though Steve and I don't come from a hunting or gun family, per se, where our, our parents weren't into any of those activities, I just had that passion. And then 
as I got older, I went deer hunting and then I started to wing shoot with shotguns and muzzle loaders and uh, moved on to archery equipment as well in high school. And so basically if it shoots a projectile or if it flies, walks, I like to hunt it, shoot it, whatever it may be. So mm-hmm. it just started at a young age being introduced to it. Nice. And then the best you... thing is Aaron doesn't care if it's good or not. So he gets to shoot it all and he doesn't have to be good. <laughs> right. Oh, no. And then Aaron, I'm assuming that you drag Steve along with. Come on, man. I need a teammate. <laughs> well, yeah, right. He didn't, he didn't want he didn't want nothing to do with me. Well, and so, Steve, uh-huh. when we were growing up, Steve didn't want anything to do with me. And that is a little bit a part of our story. But uh, that's kind of where Steve kind of kicks in. We didn't really hunt, shoot, or, or hang out together when we were growing up through grade school, high school. But then I'll kick it over to Steve to how he kind of got into shooting. You know, Eva, I'm going to throw Aaron right under the bus on the get-go. I think it's so important for young people that get introduced to firearms or hunting to have a mentor that can kind of guide him through it. Mm-hmm. And Aaron was four years older than me. To be fair to him, I was a dink little brother and, you know, didn't show much interest. But I never really had a mentor that led me down that path. I, of course, got introduced to firearms living in rural Minnesota. I mean, who hasn't been? You know, so I shot guns, but it's never, one, had that internal strong driver desire. And then two, never had anyone, any friends or family that took me by their side and really led me into it. So I didn't really get into hunting or shooting heavy. I mean, I duck hunted some in high school and then it wasn't until I was in college, just had some real life-changing experiences in colleges and colleges in college. Um, <laughs> I only went to one. I wish I went to more. It made me sound smart almost for one second. Yeah. No um, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I started hunting ducks out in North Dakota after this experience that just really led me to get engaged with the outdoors. And once we started hunting, Aaron and I started hunting together because now we had a common passion. In the summer, there's nothing to hunt, right? So we start just hand-throwing clays. Aaron had recalled seeing this guy on, on YouTube or whatever the platform was back in that day, doing trick shots, shooting with the gun over his head and from his hip in these different positions. And he kind of half thought it was fake. Well, I, I did think it was fake because I was an okay shot and hunting and nobody can really shoot from with the gun above their head or from behind the back and actually hit targets or even multiple targets, right? Mm-hmm. That's craziness. But we started hand-throwing targets, and then we started just trying a few trick shots, and we just developed kind of a new passion for exhibition shooting or trick shooting. And uh, it was a lot of fun in the summer when there was nothing to hunt. Well, it was a couple years later, in 2009, we went and watched Tom Knapp, legendary Tom Knapp, perform a live exhibition. And it was at that moment that we sat in the audience, and there was men and women, children to elderly, and everybody in between just laughing, having a great time, being entertained and inspired by these amazing shots that this guy was doing in front of a live audience. It was just this entertainment package that inspired us so much. We looked at each other and said, that's what we're going to do right there. And, you know, it's sort of funny to look back because you kind of laugh at at this point. You're like, man, what were we thinking? Like, I wasn't even a good shot (laughs) at that time. I remember going out to shoot clays and you shot like three out of 25 that one. That was when I was really rolling. I was on my good streak. But, you know, it's so funny because you're like, why did we have the audacity to think we could do it? But now looking back, you know, that that's really changed our story. And if you watch some of our videos, pretty much all our videos we end with, you missed all the shots you never take. Mm -hmm. So pull that trigger, shoot for your dreams. Because, you know, the only things that are going to become realities in your life are the ones 
that you have clear vision on and that you go after and keep pulling the trigger on. We had every reason to believe against ourselves, but I believe God put that in our hearts in that moment that we should go after it. And we started pursuing it. And man, look what happened. Yeah. What was kind of the story, though, behind it? Like you you started with uh, Tom Knapp. He inspired us. And then we we were both young married men at the time and still both married men. But we had to go back to our wives and say, (laughs) you're quitting uh, your job and this is what you want to (laughs) do. Well, quitting the job came a few years later, but basically we're going to take all of our extra resources and buy clays and buy shotgun ammo in hopes that we will eventually make this into a career and go out and perform live for other people. And what were your wife's reactions? Uh, Surprisingly, or well, maybe not surprisingly, but they said, all right, you go for it. Of course, I think a big part of that was we did put a time limit on it. I think uh, outside they responded really well. Inside they were thinking, "Is it has it been too long for an annulment?" <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. How long did it take you guys to practice before? Okay, we have these trick shots down. Uh, well, we're on year twelve now, so <laughs> about twelve years. <laughs> I still don't feel that way sometimes. You know, actually, uh, you never feel ready. Yeah, honestly, what we decided we had to do is we had to work on our craft of trick shooting, but then we also realized, hey, anyone can learn to do trick shots, but can you stand up in front of a live audience and do these shots while being entertaining, while talking? And so we put together a little show for friends and family after just a summer of practice, and we put it on, and and guess what? You're going to be so surprised by this. Our mom loved it. It was was amazing. (laughs) You say you guys guys are like little kids. You guys are like little kids. How little kids put together like a little skit, and then they're like, "Okay, we want to perform now." Okay, watch us, and you're just, uh, okay. Let's see it. Oh, good, good job. Why? Well, that's not what my mom said. She <laughs> said it was amazing. <laughs> you guys are awesome. But that gave us enough, you know, just to see that we could do it in front of a live audience and pull off some of these shots. It gave us enough, just momentum and and hope that we could keep building on that. So everything's been a building process, mm-hmm. you know. So some of the tricks do a lot of the same trick shots we did back when we started we do them all at higher levels you know but you're always growing you're always learning and just building yeah and then not to mention you're performing with an audience now and that i'm sure you guys shoot much better when you're not under pressure whereas with the audience it does add to that pressure to a degree yeah there's there's elements of that i mean Honestly, sometimes we shoot better under the pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, when the show is on and when we run up there, it's showtime. It's ready to go. You flip that switch. Sometimes it's our practices that we struggle the most in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's definitely a pressure of in front of the live audience. You can't sit there and do something over and over and over. Yeah. You know, and you start to have these thoughts of what do people think of me and all those fears and doubts that can come in front of a live audience. But over the last uh, number of years, we've been able to conquer some of those. Nice. Well, and getting comfortable in front of a crowd is something that definitely takes practice, whether you're giving a speech or going out and performing, you just got to go out there and start doing it. Because at the beginning, uh, I know at least for myself, like I would get up there and my adrenaline was so high. Like I literally felt like I was just shaking in my boots, but through repetition and getting out and doing that and being comfortable in front of a crowd, a lot of that goes away and you're able to perform at a much higher level. And something else that uh, we both learned very early on through some guidance from Tom Knapp, our original 
inspiration was that, and this is kind of some gold for anyone that's got to get out in front of people and do something, is that the key is some days you have good shooting days, some days you don't shoot as well as you'd like. Don't let the audience know that you're having maybe a, a poor day. Mm-hmm. If you miss a shot, you turn around, you smile, and you have fun. Yeah, exactly. And that's a big key to just keeping things moving, having fun, and uh, whether you're performing as well as you'd like or not, you just uh, go ahead with the show and have a great time with the audience. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to take a quick break real quick, talk about SB Tactical. If you have a standard AK-style pistol, the BA-AK1913 adapter gives you a 1913 rail without any drilling and tapping to install a mount, which I have done before, and it's not fun. It installs without any modification to the gun simply by loosening the pistol grip, sliding that mount bar between the grip and the receiver, and you tighten it back down. So literally in seconds, you have a 1913 rail on the back of your AK. Then, as a result, you could add the TF-1913 or the FS-1913 brace on your AK. Looks super awesome. I own both of them. Love them. The adapter is only $59.99, but remember, you're not going to pay full price because you'll use that code GUNFUNNY15. That gets you 15% off, and that is at sb-tactical.com. Have you guys had any trick shots that have gone horribly wrong? Oh, I knew you'd ask that. Well, there used to be one more brother. Okay, I'm not going to believe that because Aaron laughed, which thankfully I'm glad you laughed, Aaron, because <laughs> otherwise I'd feel bad. I was trying to make you feel a little awkward, I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> well, and I think you did that, Steve. Yeah, because then when you guys we, were we, quiet, I was we, like, oh, okay. No, but I mean something that, all right, we got this down, <laughs> we're going to perform it in front of all these people, and it's just disaster. Not in the sense of injury, for sure. Well, you know, yeah. Like before we go out to... Right. As far as we're not able to pull it off, it didn't uh, land. Yeah. Yeah. Anything funny yeah, that's happened? That. Not not in a major way. I mean, before we go out and perform live, we, we have to feel that we have a, a pretty high proficiency. I think the one that stands out for me, actually, is one that uh, we did this this last year down in Texas. The person asked us to come down and only use pistols and rifles. And our show is usually... Primarily just shotguns. Yeah. Now, videos and stuff, use pistols and rifles, and we're fairly proficient. But again, we're live. This isn't a video. We are live. And so one of the shots I've done in the past is I take a 22 AR pistol, and then I use a mirror to aim, and I shoot a clay out of a machine out of the air with the 22 backwards. Wow. Right? So I thought, yeah, let's do this live. And practice went okay. I started to get pretty confident with it. And then we were out in front of a live audience and there was some wind and some elements going on that were really, really challenging. And uh, our normal rule is if you don't get it after three attempts, you cut your losses, you make a joke and you move on. But since this, this show is so different, this is one of the, the highlights of the show. I'm like, I can't move on. I got to get it. I got to get it. So I sat there for three to five minutes attempting the shot over and over and over and over. I got so deep into it. I'm just like, I can't stop. Like <laughs> if I walk away now, I give up and I never completed it. So, you know, you just keep getting deeper into the shot. And I was starting to feel it inside, to be honest with you. One of those things is like, I don't know if I'm going to get it. Yeah. And uh, 
I eventually got it. Everyone thought it was awesome. Uh, I just wish it hadn't taken a lot of shots to get in front of a live audience. Yeah. Aaron, what about you? Well, I'm thinking of a... Every show in history. That oh, come on now. Come on now. No, actually, mine was uh, also a 22 shot. And uh, we we practiced it leading up to this shot. And it was just, we'd, we'd put some 20... Most places we go, we can't shoot 22s into the air because we don't have a safe enough backdrop yeah. of a mile or so to do that. But at this event, we did. And so we thought, well, let's throw some 22 stuff in there. So we practiced it for a couple of weeks going up to it, felt really confident. And then we got up there and shooting a piece of charcoal out of the air is not a real difficult shot if you practiced it with a 22. But all of a sudden, live show comes about and both Steve and I struggled. I eventually couldn't even hit it. Steve got it. But um, you're not you talking know, about in Texas. No, I'm talking about uh, at, uh Gunfair. Oh. Gunfair over in Little Falls. I block most of this stuff out of my memory, so. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that does happen. And just to touch back on safety, like even before we attempt a shot in practice, because we're doing things that are very unorthodox in the shooting world, uh, Steve and I will talk about how it's done and uh, set up the safety protocol and think it through before we ever even attempt it on a practice round or practice range. Yeah. So safety is a number one concern and priority when we're coming up with new shots. And uh, we certainly take that very seriously. Oh yeah, definitely. You definitely have to. And that's smart because I think some people are so anxious to just wow the crowd that they often forget about the safeties. And as a result, it could end horribly wrong. So that's great that you guys do that. Let's talk about some of your gear. So what are your guys' go-to guns that you use? For our live exhibitions, we've been shooting Winchesters for since the beginning, basically. Yep. When we realized we were going to get deep into this and give it our best shot, we went to the, the gun store and looked at all the different options, picked up all the guns, mounted them with our eyes closed, different things. And we just really liked the, the fit, the balance of the Winchester at that time it was Winchester SX-3. And so we just started shooting that, of course, not sponsored by Winchester at that time. And uh, eventually we did end up sponsored by Winchester. Wow. And we shot Winchester SX-4 when that came out. We just, we love the light recoil, the fast shooting. It's well-balanced. The ergonomics are great. And we've stuck with that. We are actually no longer with Winchester, but we're still shooting it. I mean, we're open to ideas. If anyone's listening, we're open to ideas. But uh, the Winchester SX-4 is definitely a great gun for the money. Is that what I shot? At the Gundy's? Yeah. What did you think? I loved it. It had zero recoil. That can cannon, on the other Ooh. hand, that was a little harsh on my shoulder. <laughs> well, you are shooting a 12-ounce slug out of it, essentially, with those yeah. things, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's, that's true. one thing uh, people that do shoot those SX-4s of ours, they realize, they're like, wow, that's very light recoil. And one of my first guns was a Mossberg 500. And a couple of years ago, I just brought it out for old time's sake. And I was going to try a few trick shots with it. And I shot it a few times. I'm like, man, I forgot how much recoil some of these guns have. And I just put it down, went back to the SX-4. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I really like that gun. Who are some cool. of your other sponsors? Yeah, so, I mean, we got uh, a great group of sponsors. We've been very blessed to uh, trick people into working with us. And uh, that, that one was actually a joke, if you didn't catch that. but. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> no, like, actually, yeah, you would have to trick people into working with you. No, I wasn't. I was actually I was getting my phone out because I was going to write down what I shot because I really like that. Cause I'm not as versed in shotguns. I do pistols and rifles, but as far as shotguns go, I could definitely use some work. So I'm just making a note of it. Maybe I'll buy one. That's why I <laughs> was quiet. <laughs> we can we can help you out with that. We got uh, some extras we could ship off. So okay, perfect. We'll um, have to talk. But, then. You know, our sponsors, Federal is one of our big sponsors. Nice Federal Ammunition, and then uh, we work with a retailer called Reeds out of Walker, Minnesota, and uh, they've been a great partner of ours. And we work with a lot of other brands: Vortex Optics, Carlson's Choke Tubes, ESS Eyewear, White Flyer, Chromatic Traps. The list goes on, but those are some of the great partners we get the chance to work with. Very cool. How often do you guys practice now? Like in February? Yeah. I know you're in Minnesota. Uh, you you're don't in- want to know that. Cause- it's not impressive. It's, it's actually pretty warm in Minnesota here today. It's like 20. So, oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, no, during the winter time. <laughs> during the winter, we uh, as long as we're in Minnesota, we aren't doing too much for practice or video, unfortunately. It's one of the... Uh, downfalls of living in a northern state but um during the summertime obviously when we were starting out we had to practice multiple times a week in between shows and whatnot but once we're tuned up and ready to go into show season in the spring a lot of times we're, we're out doing a practice once maybe twice a week depending on if we have new material that we're trying to put into the show but uh during show season when you're almost performing a show every week that, that kind of keeps you tuned up along with the one practice a week. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, you know, when we're not performing those shows or practicing, we're creating video content. So we're usually hands on with different stuff. And so we can't practice every day. It would be nice if we could, if someone else would make our videos for us, that would be pretty cool. But yeah, definitely tough in the winter here in Minnesota. That's why we're heading south in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's the same thing with me is I typically shoot indoors, but I guess with shotguns and trick shots, you can't really do that. It'd be tough. We need a big space. That's yeah, for sure. absolutely. Let's talk about some of the trick shots that you guys have done. You guys did a series of videos for the world's longest shot on a flying clay. And I think you've recorded as of right now, is it 600 yards? Yes. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Are you guys looking to push that a little bit or are you kind of? I don't know. Do you think we should? The 600? I don't know. Like, I mean, that's pretty good, actually. That actually is. If you think about it, 600 yards, that's quite the distance. Actually, the first time I ever shot shooting a long distance, it was 630 yards. And I thought, oh, wow, I'm such a badass. And that was with a rifle. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty yeah, yeah, impressive. I mean, 600, yards, 600 yards is starting to be that turning point where the mistakes that you make shooting a rifle mm-hmm. start to really make a huge difference going out that far. And for the viewers that didn't see the video or don't even know what we're talking about, we weren't shooting a stationary object. We're shooting a flying clay pigeon at 600 yards. Yeah. So it's on the move. You're taking an object that's just a few inches wide, putting it sort of on edge. So you have even less surface area to hit. And by the time you call pull, see the clay, you got just a, a snapshot of that clay to pull the trigger and make a connection. And that makes it, I mean, one of the most difficult shots that we've ever attempted with a rifle. It has. And I, one thing I want people to understand, uh, and a lot of your viewers probably already know this, but 
to put it into context, you know, that clay that we're shooting is approximately four inches. And, you know, an MOA gun at 600 yards is shooting a six inch groove. Mm -hmm. Now we use the Ruger Precision and 6.5 Creedmoor to complete that shot. And uh, our test group at, at 600 yards, we did shoot a half MOA or three inch group. But, um, you know, you're just putting that into perspective that a lot of guns shoot MOA, but you have a very small target. You have to shoot sub MOA and hit a moving clay at 600 yards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Another trick shot that you guys did, you threw a basketball backwards, then leaned back, shot the basketball so that it went up and made the basket. How many times did that take to get that on camera? Well, it took enough shots to make my back sore. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Uh, there was plenty of practice shots. Yeah, yeah. Lots, of, lots of practice. Well, that's what it comes down to, Ava, is anything you want to set out to do, be willing to put in the practice. So we bought out um, one, two, three, four Walmarts of these $5 basketballs. And then again a couple times. And then bought them out again a couple times. Oh, wow. And uh, we went to practice. Just put in the practice, so then it only takes one really good shot for it to happen. Yeah. To date, what do you guys think is your most impressive your shot? I'm, I'm sorry. sorry, Ava. Aaron was talking at the same time as you. I couldn't hear. Aaron, what did you say? I, I was saying, I'm, I'm not sure you're getting Steve's sarcasm some of the times there with uh, the practice up until one. It's kind of like the going joke um, on video work is it only took one shot. First try. First yeah, exactly. Shot, it was just all practice know? beforehand. I get it. <laughs> exactly. I get it. Yeah. And it only took buying out a few Walmarts. No big deal. If you want to do something big, you got to practice. Oh, I know. I know. I hear you. To date, what would you guys say is your most impressive shot? And also, we're, I know that when we met in person, you guys were saying, which I've said the same thing, you spend all this time on this video. People are going to love this video. And it's always the videos that you just throw together half-fast or that aren't really impressive to you that everybody goes wild over. But what about this one that took me all this time to do? and people don't really appreciate it as much as some of the stuff that we think could be easy or that we threw together pretty quickly. Oh, for sure. I mean, uh, a prime example of that would be when we set out a few years ago to set some unofficial records uh, with our shotguns, Aaron shot 11 hand-thrown clays at, at one time individually, but throwing up 11, shoot each one individually, 11 clays. That's pretty yeah. dang impressive. More than we've seen of anyone in the United States. Dude. Yeah. I shot nine clays from the hip, hand thrown nine clays, shoot nine of them from the hip before they hit the ground. Those videos, they just were okay. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is some of the most difficult things we can come up with because think about it, Ava, no one can go out and accidentally get 11 clays. Yeah. That takes years and years and years of practice, right? But you could, in theory, go out and shoot a clay out of the air at 600 yards with one lucky shot. Yeah. If you were willing to sit out there and spend the ammo and just really get at it, it might take you a couple of days, but it only takes one lucky shot mm -hmm. where you can't put together 11 lucky shots of hand-thrown clays. It just won't happen. It takes years and years and years and years and years and years. Yeah. And But it doesn't matter for video. Yeah. It doesn't matter. I know. Isn't it funny how that works? Uh, not so much funny as sad sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And here you are with some ice packs on your back. I just took off a few years of my life doing that and they don't even appreciate it. 
years of my life and thousands of dollars of uh, chiropractor bills. Yeah, no kidding. Well, we've even noticed that in our live show as well, that some of the more skilled shots don't get the crowd's attention as much as blowing vegetables up or, you know, shooting golf balls or basketballs and some of the other stuff that we do that, although it isn't easy, isn't near as technical as some of the other things that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You guys were shooting fruits and vegetables at the Gundy's, which is funny because a lot of it ended up in my hair, on my shooting glasses, all over my clothes, my shoes. Yeah. It didn't bother me any. Okay. <laughs> yeah. In fact, you guys were the you guys were the first people that I saw in the beginning of the event. So I had to go through the event the rest of the day with cabbage on my shirt and soda on my sunglasses. That was a lot of fun. So thanks for that. <laughs> well, I watched your video uh, of the range day at the Gundy's there, and I could I could tell you just weren't quite sure what to do once you shot the vegetables and had a little bit on you, or Steve mm-hmm. shot the vegetables. Yeah. Okay, that's great. I actually did bring an extra shirt in my bag just in case, which I was thankful for because later on I did change my shirt. But yeah, I thought that was a pretty funny video. What I didn't include is it shows that I shot the vegetable. I don't know what I shot, maybe an apple or something like that. And it was the first shot, but it actually wasn't because the first shot, I went to go take the shot and the safety was on. Uh, And that's the thing is, I will admit, I don't use safeties that much because the way I see it is I think that people are their biggest safety more than any sort of mechanism. So I don't train as much using that safety, not to say that you guys should do that, but I really need to break Mm -hmm. that habit, especially when I'm just shooting nonchalantly on the range and it's not a life or death situation. So yeah, I would go to take the first shot and I was like, "Uh uh-oh, the safety was on. Okay, let's do it. Round two. (laughs) But yeah, that was was pretty fun. When we're all practicing, I mean, either the gun's unloaded Mm -hmm. or it's in our hands and as we're loading it, you know, and our, our hands are our control of that firearm and that's our safety. So we're often not turning it on and off, Yeah. but like in the Gundy, we're handing guns to people and, and uh, doing stuff like that. We definitely put them on and and try to follow those safety processes. Yeah, absolutely. Cause you don't know how much training these people have gotten. Even as an instructor, I can't tell you how many times people have their finger on the trigger and they don't realize it. Whereas me, even if I try to record a stupid video where my finger's on the trigger, I still catch myself where my finger's not on the trigger, even when I'm intentionally trying to put it on the trigger to do something, which is so ingrained in my mind. And then even pointing guns at the camera, I don't even like pointing the gun at the camera. Even though it's unloaded and there's nobody behind the camera, it still makes me uneasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am my biggest safety. So I don't practice as much using those active safeties. That was that first shot. That's the one thing I didn't include in the video. But it was definitely a lot of fun shooting with you guys. And it has been a while since I've shot. I've shot the IWI, the TS-12, which is a shotgun, but it's just so much different than the shotguns that you guys were shooting. It has three tubes and each tube holds five rounds and it's a bullpup. It's been forever since I've shot clays, which... I started when I, you know, first got into guns and it was a lot of fun. And that's why I wrote down the Winchester. You know what? Maybe I'll start doing that. It's just a fun sport, if nothing else, especially like spring, summer, in the evenings, just something to do. Yeah, there's nothing quite like busting clays out of the air or vegetables or whatever you shoot. Yeah, totally agree. With a lot of these trick shots, 
you have to have very fast reflexes, sharp eyesight. What do you guys do on the side? You guys eating carrots to help with the eyesight? How do you? That's something that people can't necessarily work on. Either you have good eyesight or you don't. What'd you say? We have a very, very strict carrot regimen. Yeah. Today. (laughs) That's very smart. No, but you're you're right, Ava. I mean, hand-eye coordination. I mean, it's huge. You got to have good vision. You got to be athletic, and your hands got to be able to work with your eyes. And uh, I don't know. Is there anything specifically you do, Aaron? Nothing other than wear safety glasses whenever I'm out doing, whether it's on the range or working on construction projects. And uh, I still have pretty decent vision, but uh, I'm just praying that it holds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I, one thing I do is I yell at my kids mm-hmm. when they put their hands by my eyes. Mm-hmm. I am very conscious about my eyes and the importance of my eyes. I try to eat a healthy diet, nothing specific for my eyes, but I'm just trying to be, both of us try to be just generally healthy individuals. And, uh, but I'm very aware of my eyes and safety glasses and telling kids not to put sharp things by my eyes when they run around the house with scissors. So you go run over there with that scissors. <laughs> you keep away from Yeah. It's crazy though, because it really things that we do at times take for granted, whereas a lot of people don't have those fast reflexes or good eyesight. I definitely, in fact, funny story, I, I just went to the eye doctor and my eyesight has changed because I noticed I can't see anything. Like I'm driving, I can't see signs unless they're much closer up and it did change a little bit. And then, of course, I lost one of the contacts and I have one of the old contacts and then one of the new contacts in my eyes. And yeah, I'm on the struggle bus a little bit. It's just weird how there's certain things that I think certain people have that aren't necessarily skills that we can at times take for granted. Right. All right. Is that about LASIK? Uh, no. I mean, I have thought about it, but honestly, I'm almost 35. My vision's probably going to change again when I'm 40, where I'm not going to be able to see close up. So what's the point? I would do it. Highly recommend it. I did it about four years ago. And how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm now 35. Same okay. as you. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. I don't know. I thought about it, but it really hasn't gone down that much in price. And for as bad as my eyes are, I'm still looking at about 4,000. Yeah. And I'm still probably going to have to wear glasses when, if nothing else, to read the menu when I'm in my 40s. So I don't know. Who knows? Maybe. But also, I've heard that it doesn't always last. That your vision, whether it changes over time, it can start getting worse again. If you're nearsighted or farsighted, it starts reverting back. You know, I don't know about that. I have touch-ups for life on my program. So if I need a little correction, they Mm. can do that again. I mean, you might hit your your 40s or 50s and need bifocals for reading. But as far as being able to see the distance, that, that should stay for quite a long time. Yeah, I'll have to look into that and then maybe make sure that whoever I go with that they offer that for life if my vision changes. Yeah. All right. Well, any future plans that you guys like to share with listeners? I know that I'm pretty sure I read that you guys have uh, new YouTube channels launching. Yeah, it's January. No, it's not. It's February. I don't even know what month it is Right in Minnesota. So all we're doing is planning right now. We're, we're just not outside shooting like we normally are performing. So uh, we are going to be launching new YouTube channels this spring. Aaron and I, of course, run the Ghoul Brothers channel where you're going to see high-end trick shots and brother battles and fun videos like that where we put the fun in shooting. And then we also wanted to create channels where we could just share our other passions and do more reviews and how-tos 
and different videos like that that would be helpful to people. So Aaron's channel is going to be called The Common Patriot. And I'm going to have a channel called Target Focused Life. And we'll be launching those this spring. Very cool. And then if people want to find anything else about you, where can they on the interwebs? You just search up Gould Brothers. You'll find our stuff, uh, whether that's YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or GouldBrothers.com. And then just to, just so you guys know, so Gould is spelled G-O-U-L-A-D, just in case. Yes. Yes. I, I forget that that's not intuitive to everybody. Yeah. I don't think, yeah. You just want to make sure. So if people want to find you, that they can definitely find you. Moving forward, we're going to hear from IWI. If you guys are wanting a compact rifle with a bit more energy, you need to check out the Tavor 7. The Tavor 7 is chambered in 7.62 NATO for more energy and distance capability. As a bullpup, though, you still have that really short overall length. So it's great for close quarters maneuvering. It's got a number of ergonomic enhancements requested by the U.S. consumers, including a 45-degree safety, AR-style ambidextrous mag release, and the ability to lock the charging handle without using the bolt catch. Another cool thing is the four-position gas system, which includes an off position to allow for maximum effectiveness when used with a suppressor. Head on over to IWI, check out the Tavor 7 as well as any accessories, and remember. If you guys find some accessories that you want to buy, don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY15 and that gets you 15% off. And that is at IWI.us. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. Fair treatment in commerce is gone. For quite a few years now, the financial industry has been quietly targeting conservatives and denying them service simply because of the industry that they're in. Those of us in the firearms industry, we've been victim of this repeatedly. I personally have been victim of this. PayPal, if they find out that you do anything gun related, they will cancel your account. And here's the thing, they will freeze your account for six months. Whatever money you have in there, you will not be able to get out for six months. Don't keep a lot of money in your PayPal account if you still use PayPal. Chase Bank, when I was selling firearms, one day my processor, I couldn't process any credit cards. Just like that, they just stopped. They dropped me without any heads up. I think I was doing a gun show, actually. That was a little bit of a disaster. So to this day, I refuse to bank with Chase Bank, even if it's for personal needs. And then just recently, adding a credit card processor to my GunFunny website, they didn't approve me. And the guy asked why. I don't know. It just says it's not approved. And I know it's because I have the word gun in my URL, gunfunny.com. We've definitely fallen victim of this. It's total BS because we're treated like we're criminals when obviously we have a legal business just like anybody else. I know that the adult industry, the porn industry, they also have had issues with this. Same with marijuana. Colorado, marijuana is legal, but it's not federally legal. So a lot of banks can turn them away, which is kind of stupid because in a way you're just giving people more of a reason to run everything undocumented. It becomes more of a, obviously a cash business. So there's less documentation, but one of the things that I was just reading. So last month, a couple in California who had contracted 
with the California State Parks Department to run a memorabilia business out of the Columbia State Historic Park, which is a preserved gold rush town. They had the blessing of the State Parks Department and spent two years building their businesses around the Square platform for the cash register, e-commerce, and shipping. Then someone at Square realized that they sell replica non-functioning firearms. That's right. They're just replicas. They're obviously not functional whatsoever. Square terminated their contract without warning and would only say that their business was prohibited by terms of service. One of the last rules adopted by President Trump was the Fair Access to Financial Services Act, which was to take effect on April 1st. This was to specifically prohibit this kind of discrimination to deny financial services to lawful commerce. President Biden last week stopped that rule from going into effect, which signals his plan to eliminate it completely. It's just another way that they are cracking down on businesses that they don't necessarily agree with. And normally I would say, all right, well, whatever. But nowadays, how many people actually use cash? And this also goes into, like, let's say somebody wants to create a business and they need a loan. Obviously, as a result, they won't get that loan. So it has quite a few effects of this. Have you guys fell victim of any of this kind of stuff before? You know, we really haven't um, run into that in, in our business. I mean, we are aware of what's going on. And, and when we're searching out for companies to work with, we, we try to look into that. I mean, we know Square is not going to be friendly. PayPal, a lot of different services aren't going to be friendly. And, and uh, you know, it's just a shame to see because what we can see happening is people that want guns out of law-abiding citizens' hands mm-hmm. realize they can't just go attack guns but they are savvy and they will find the means and methods to make it nearly impossible for us to own firearms, whether that's through commerce like this, whether it's through legislation of registration, uh, insurance requirements, whatever it is, they're working the angles from uh, not the direct angles, but on the outside continuously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Just a little bit ago, I talked about the IWI Divorce 7. Well, of course, Manafort Arms has you covered as far as comfortable upgrades for it. They have their signature curved butt pad for the Tavor 7, and it's molded and cushioned for your shoulder. It just gives you a much more comfortable shooting experience. They also have the Luma Safeties, and they have two different kinds. You can get the individual or a pair. Manafort Arms recommends that you get one medium or one slim for the offhand side, so it's a lower profile on the other side, as you're less likely to use it. And while you're there, also grab one of their night breaks, which is a great muscle device. Butt pad is on their website for $72.95, Luma Safeties $29.95, and the night break for $64.95. But remember, you're not going to pay full price because you'll use the code GUNFUNNY15 and that gets you 15% off your entire order. And that is at ManafortArms.com. Okay, Q&A. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit GUNFUNNY.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Guys, if you have a question for me, just go to gunfunny.com, click on the contact us form and submit your question. Today's question is enjoyed the Gundy's YouTube video. What's next? Do you guys get that? The minute you submit a video, then 
okay, what's next? When are you going to drop your next video? Okay. All right. Slow down, buddy. It took some time to create that video. I don't even know if you guys take breaks in between your videos, but people don't realize the amount of work that goes into a video, which the Gundies, that video was actually a little bit easier to do. I just had somebody follow me around with a camera, but there's still editing and stuff like that involved. When this video releases, you guys will see me teaching a nine-year-old how to use a gun using the strike fire system. And then after that, I have some stuff from X2 development and that I'm going to do a review on. I'm thinking that that should be next, but I don't know. Sometimes I have a plan and I know exactly what videos I'm going to do. And then other times I just kind of wing it or I'm drinking some whiskey and hey, Let's do a YouTube video on this, which I have not done yet, but even a whiskey tasting video is in the plans for the near future. What about you guys? Do you guys have any videos that you're planning on releasing soon or recording? I got a camera sitting on my desk Mm -hmm. that has sat there since I got back from the Gundys. And someday I will take the footage off there and make a video from the Gundys. Yes. There you go. That's next. (laughs) The point in the near future. (laughs) Yeah. I know. Don't you hate that also is you will record all this content and it takes work recording the content and then it just sits in the camera card and you're just uh, now I got to edit it. Or the other day I was going to record a painting video and I'm so freaking mad because my cousin, she wanted a painting done and I do paint and I tried something new and I'm so mad that I tried something new because it ended up in a disaster. But setting up all the camera equipment, all the lights, putting it in my garage just all this work and the finished product was crap. And so I don't even know if I'm going to release that video or not. I just thought it would be something different, something cool. I'm trying to make my YouTube channel a little bit more lifestyle-esque as opposed to just guns. But I'm just so mad that it took a few hours, which it shouldn't have. And yeah, life of a YouTuber. (laughs) That's right. Totally understand the struggle on that. You know, I mean, You come up with a video idea, you spend some time thinking about it, planning, maybe even getting props. Then you got the day that you go out to film it, which can be an hour or it can be all day or maybe even multiple days. And then you still have to come back, edit it, launch it on all the platforms, you know, and everything that goes into it. And it's it's very easy to have five plus days, depending on the complexity of a video, wrapped up in that video. Mm So we, we understand. And I've had a few videos. Shoot, this is the first year that I've done any editing. Otherwise, Steve or other editors have done stuff for us in the past. And yeah, I definitely had a few videos where I went out, shot them myself. And then it was just like, this is crap. Yeah. I'm going to have to redo it. Yeah, (laughs) I know. Or the video that I released where I'm teaching the nine-year-old, I didn't realize because the camera's facing the window, but as a result, it made the video extremely dark. So I tried lightening up as best I can, but I'm so mad because... I don't want to re-record that video. It's just, uh, just, yeah, you never know what's going to happen. One of the joy. I know. Primary arms. I was teaching a class over the weekend and a lot of students were raving about their primary arms optics. They're all really big fans of the ACSS. If you guys haven't done so, check out their SLX line. It's extremely affordable and packed with high-end features. 
They have a ton of choices of popular ACSS reticles to pick from in either the second vocal plane or the front vocal plane for a bunch of calibers. They have illuminated reticles, standard on all of those, and are torture tested to ensure its reliability. The different versions range from $289 to $479, which if you compare to scopes with similar features, it's a great buy. You're definitely getting a lot for a lot less than its competitors. And also don't forget, if you use that code AVA, that's capital A-V-A, you'll receive a free one-piece scope mount with all Primary Arms optics. Check them out at primaryarms.com. All right, Tacti Talk. Tacti Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Timney launches a new Glock trigger, which I actually happen to have. You know why I have it? Because I ate that spicy chip and it was part of the giveaway. It was the EOTech, the Optic, and then the Timney trigger, which was the new Glock trigger that I received. Did you guys see me eat that chip? I saw you start to eat that chip and I thought to myself, why is she doing that? Did you not hear from people early in the day how crazy hot those chips are? Yeah. I don't really know what I was thinking. I gave into peer pressure, which I'm kind of disappointed in myself for doing. But <laughs> I know I'm older and better than this. I do not have to give into peer pressure, but I totally gave into peer pressure. But I actually, I think I handled it pretty well. It definitely was uncomfortable for about 20 minutes. And then I drank more chocolate milk and then I actually felt fine. I think I have a higher tolerance for pain than most people. I think I'm starting to realize. But anyways, I haven't put this Glock trigger on anything, but I'm excited to check it out. One of the key goals of the design was to maintain the same feel, performance, and reliability with the refined, lightweight, crisp trigger that you would expect from Timney. To do this, the trigger bar and the sear are Teflon nickel treated to accomplish a trigger pull of about three pounds as the MP3 finish virtually eliminates friction. Looks like the trigger is really easy to install. You shouldn't eat a gunsmith. Maybe I'll do a review on that, but definitely going to put it in one of my guns because I've definitely become a little bit of a trigger snob. Do you guys have any brands of triggers that you typically use? Not that we go to consistently necessarily. I mean, there's some good aftermarket ones out there. And our shotguns, we, we generally don't do much trigger work to our shotguns, although some shotguns could definitely use some trigger work. Yeah. Nice eight-pound pulls. Yeah, right. But Yeah, who knows? Maybe I'll post that on the YouTube channel as well. We'll see. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as... Never mind. AF. Aaron, do you have any kids? I have three boys. Okay, then you guys can probably both relate to this, but I just read an article where teaching your child to shoot could be illegal. On Monday, a Democratic state senator in New Mexico introduced a firearm storage bill that would criminalize parents who teach their children how to shoot firearms if that child is not deemed as, quote unquote, as a authorized user. It is an offense for a firearm owner or authorized user to store or keep a firearm at any premise unless the firearm is secured in a locked container or secured by a gun lock or other means as to render the firearm inaccessible to unauthorized users. It's quoted, a minor could only be an authorized user if they're at least 12 years of age and has successfully completed a firearm safety training course. 
12 seems kind of old to me because think about how many people bring out their kids when they're seven, eight, and I'm sure you guys started shooting. Aaron, sounds like you started shooting earlier than even seven or eight. The storage mandate in the bill would make it a crime for a child to handle your firearm unless the child was 12 or older and had previously completed a firearm safety class. You would become a criminal for taking your child to go shooting if they had not previously taken some kind of formal class, NMSSA said. The bill is an uneducated attempt to demonize firearms. It's already a crime to place a child in a situation that endangers their life. This law does nothing to add to a child's safety. The law is completely unenforceable unless they plan to go door-to-door inspecting firearm storage in your home. What it sounds like is any child under 12, you can't even train them. Isn't that what it sounds like? And although I am totally in favor of properly storing your firearm, because it's crazy how things have changed. I think I've mentioned this on the show before, but when I was a kid, it's funny. You think your parents know best. You become an adult. You look back. What the hell were my parents thinking? My dad always kept a loaded shotgun right by his side of the bed out in the open. Obviously, my sister and I could easily access it, but we had no curiosity. Our parents talked to us about guns. We knew what they were there for. We knew what they were capable of doing. And we just saw it as a tool to protect us. And we just didn't touch it. Whereas now parents are at least putting it in a higher shelf or it has some sort of concealment. I do think that if you have kids, you should absolutely store your guns properly. Don't get lazy with it or be irresponsible with it. But I do think as a parent, parents are going to want to teach their kids how to use a firearm. It's one of those things where if nothing else, it's a bonding moment. You take your child to the range and teach them how to shoot at an earlier age than 12. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. No, it's it's a great thing to get kids out there shooting well before 12. You know, my oldest two boys are eight and six currently, and they've both been shooting since they were four. And when it's nice out during the summertime, they're like, Dad, can we go shoot? Dad, can we go shoot? Dad, can we go shoot? And, uh, you know, training those children to respect a firearm and to handle it properly can start well before. I mean, there's so many things in this bill that was introduced that are just nonsense. And we could talk literally all day about how foolish it seems. But uh, man, I mean, this is just what Steve was alluding to earlier, uh, as well as some of the other segments about how people that don't like firearms are coming in every direction that they possibly can to Mm -hmm. sideswipe our rights, the Second Amendment, dictate how we can even handle our own children with a firearm. I agree, you know, having firearms properly stored is is important. You know, all firearms in my house that are locked, loaded, and ready to go are in quick access safes, yeah. whether that be for shotguns, ARs, or pistols. Mm-hmm. But, you know, an eight-year-old, a six-year-old can certainly be taught how to be around firearms. Well, let, me, let me add to that. It's, it's those kids that grow up in those situations that get the hands-on that see the impact that a firearm can have that shoot it, those aren't the, the kids you necessarily have to worry about yeah, as much. Exactly. Right? I have more confidence in the kids, like Aaron's kids that are around firearms, see how they're used, get taught how they're used, are respectful of firearms. Those aren't the people that worry me mm-hmm. as much. Yeah. I'm all for safe storage. That's, that's a great idea. Let's keep our kids safe. And by the way, while we're, we're keeping guns uh, from uh, being used in 
ways that they shouldn't be. Let's also keep our poisons in our house safe because a lot of kids die every year from poison. Let's keep our pools covered up because a lot of kids drown. And let's keep our Diet Coke and our Coke out of the fridge because it's leading to a lot of cancer and diabetes. Yeah. But, you know, that's, I digress a little bit. If we really are concerned about protecting our youth, first of all, it falls on the parents. This yeah. isn't for the government to determine. The parents need to keep their children safe and we need to leave that back in their hands for the most part. But so it really has nothing to do with safety, mm-hmm. as Aaron was talking about, but it has everything to do with restricting our rights and the government state growing larger, larger, and more powerful, which no one wants to see. But I'm all for kids. And, and Aaron and I both love getting those kids out, even at young ages. I mean, I forget how young my son was when he first shot an AR rifle. And one of the reasons I love these dangerous, so dangerous AR rifles is because they have such little recoil. Mm-hmm. So you can get these young, small frame shooters out there shooting an AR without it beating the tar out of his shoulder. And it creates a great experience for them, but they learn to respect that firearm in the process. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Yep, I agree. It's them coming at all different angles and it's just complete BS. All right, guys, it's time to wrap up. If you have not left an iTunes review, please do so. I am now giving away a goat gun to a lucky winner every show. If nothing else, that's more of a reason to write a review. And Aaron, Steve, you guys are going to pick the lucky winner out of these two reviews. The first is Grant Tiffer, F is in Frank, five stars. First off, this podcast is awesome, informative, and always light and fun. Keep rocking Ava and Tickles. My mother ends her name with F is in Frank. I just died when I heard this last episode. Second is JD2510JE titled best podcast ever five stars. I love how she brings in different people from all over the gun world. It's great how much knowledge she has about the gun world. Keep up the great work. Okay, guys. So out of those two, I want you to pick a lucky winner to win a goat gun. And guys, if you're not familiar with goat guns, they are these little tiny replicas of guns. They have AKs, ARs, the 50 cal. They even, I was just on their website. They have accessories now that you can put on your guns. And let's just say I'm getting tickles some goat guns and she's going to have an entire armory pretty soon. Her and I are both excited for that. But guys, out of those reviews, pick the first or the second reviewer. The second one mentions how they love how you have guests all over the gun world. And that would be us. So we got to go with JD2510JE. It just rolls right off your tongue. I love it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. So contact me on social media. Just send me a message with a good address to send that goat gun out to, and I'll get that out to you. Now it's time to wrap up. Guys, you can find me at gunfunny.com. Be sure to follow us on social media, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. If you like the show, you want to support it, you could do a one-time donation or you can become a monthly Patreon, which will get you access to our Patreon-only Facebook group. It's a ton of fun. Also, Blown Deadline, he gives away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky patron each month. And wanted to thank the $25 patrons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Ryan Morrison, Joe Lyons, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Joshua Hamp, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Star Wars 77, Dylan Savage, and Melissa Ridings. King of the Patreon, Jon Snow, he wants me to say, Contrary to popular belief, Operator Tickles has never cheated death. She always wins fair and square. All right, guys. Steve, Aaron, thank you guys so much for spending this morning with me. And really appreciate your time and you guys coming on the show. Can you just remind people once again where they can find you on the internet? 
Yes, Gould Brothers, G-O-U-L-D Brothers, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or GouldBrothers.com. All right, guys. So get on over to YouTube or social media and give them a follow. And on that note, we are out of here. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact. <laughs>